0: As with the lunar landing and assassination of JFK, there are a fair few folk who can tell you exactly where they were when Diego Maradona punched the ball into Peter Shilton's net, sending Argentina on their way to victory in the quarterfinal of the 1986 World Cup. So it's no surprise, over three decades later, that someone has decided to tell the story of this enigmatic sporting superstar and that someone is our old friend Asif Kapadia, returning to soundtracking to discuss his revealing biopic, simply entitled Diego Maradona. Having previously explored the lives of troubled geniuses Erton Senna and Amy Winehouse, Asif has once again cast a forensic eye across a mind-bendingly brilliant, yet undoubtedly flawed individual, with the key difference in this instance being that his subject is still alive. The results are utterly captivating. As with both Senna and Amy, Asif turned to Brazilian composer Antonio Pinto for the score and as ever, you'll hear plenty of his work on the film throughout the conversation, starting with this cue, Mexico 86. Welcome back to Soundtracking. It's great to have you back on the show. Thank Glad you for being be here. here. Thanks for having me again. Um, I was just saying, I was listening back to our previous chat and talking through so many things, including Senna and Amy, and, and it was really interesting. One of the things that you you said that you you talked about those two films in particular was with, with Amy, every song was a chapter, and with Senna, every race was like a chapter, and it felt like with this new wonderful film, Diego, every match, every game really told a story or a part of his story in his life. Would you agree? See, what's great
1: talking to you is you are looking and listening to the film in a different way to anyone. In a good way? No, that's good. (laughs) Because I haven't (laughs) thought about it like that.
2: Okay. You know,
1: and and sometimes when you have these conversations, I go away and I think about it. Because I'm at the stage still where I've made this film and it's not come out yet. Yeah. And I guess we spoke long after. Senator and Amy had come yeah. out, so I've formed my opinion with time and with the reaction of audiences, and been on that journey. And I was, at, I suppose, at the end of the journey. And on this one, I've just made the film; it's come out. These are the first conversations I'm having with journalists. Yeah, I've not really seen it with real people yet. Yeah, I've been to one screening in Cannes. Can and I mean, no pressure on that. No pressure. As well. And if that's ever normal, you know, I don't know how <laughs> yeah. I'm going to survive because so with two thousand people in the middle of the night when I hadn't slept <laughs> for two days and. It was a great screening because it sounded amazing and a lot of people commented on the soundtrack, Mm -hmm. the music and the sound design. an arc mm-hmm. to the music, there is a journey. There is a journey almost like from 80s disco funk beginning to the more emotional score that yeah. you have in the second half. So it's almost like the first reel, the first 20 minutes are one type of score, which is quite little quite electronic, yeah, yeah. yeah. like Antonio Pinto, my composer, who did Senna and Amy, who I've worked with a lot. With this film, what was interesting is there was an element of kind of holding him back almost. Yeah. And saving him up until there are certain moments. And really, we only come across his music when we go back in time to Via Ferito. Yeah. So you're, you're kind of watching him and it's, it's kind, of, kind of interesting kind of cues, but it's not strings. It's not trying to play on the emotional heartstrings mm. in any way. We're holding all that back. And the first time Antonio's themes come in are when we go back to when he's young and he's a kid and he's in Via Farito, this really rough place on the outskirts of Buenos Aires. Mm-hmm. And that felt the right the right time, the yeah. right place to see Diego. theme then plays throughout the film and will continue and develop and go right the way to the ending of the movie you know depending on who's watching it you know there people get quite emotional yeah. it's, an, it's a different film to Senna and Amy it's a very yeah. different character and it's a different journey that we go on with the character but yeah it was just a question of when do we start it and it felt like the right time to go into the kind of themes So what's interesting, I wouldn't say it's per game, because it definitely is part of the way of showing the football, but it's just that at what point in his life does the score start to change?
0: Yeah, because the reason I say the game thing is because we all take for granted about his amazing brilliance on the pitch sort of thing, but it's almost kind of behind the actual physicality of playing that game, the pressure that was on him for different reasons by different people and what that meant to him, because it was really interesting the way that you get across in the film about these two characters, you know. Diego and Maradona and they're two people and there was two different sets of worlds that they lived in and I guess what they they strived for I think as well
1: yeah I think that idea that kind of concept is at the heart of the movie and it's also I suppose at every level that idea is somewhere in the back of my mind you know you're sort of thinking okay well that's sort of Diego and that's Maradona and that's his theme and that's his theme and they're the same person but when do we cross over from one to another when do we go back to that person that's all part of the visually and what you're seeing and hearing from characters, but also musically, when you have a theme, we, we end up discussing yeah. this, you know, in the crew and yeah. with the composer and with the editor and with the sound team of, you know, that's Diego. So isn't this a Diego moment or is this a Maradona <laughs> yeah. moment?
0: Yeah. did you know what story you were going to tell? Because I imagine there were different narratives that you could follow with him and with this incredible
1: story. I always try to research everything. I have to say, the producers, James Gay-Reese, the producer, always said the story's going to be Naples. And I'm like, I've got to go to Buenos Aires. I've got to talk to everyone there. Now, until I research everything in Argentina and everything that happens afterwards, it may be that I come back to Naples, but I now understand the bigger picture mm. and what it is that we are trying to say in Naples. That may have actually happened before, but it's important to his journey and his story and his character. So I'll find a way to fit that theme into the mm. Napoli story. The story takes place in Naples. It took us probably two years to get to that point. Even though it seems obvious, but I needed to know what happened before he gets there to understand what's going on in his head, Yeah. why it was like Last Chance Saloon. You know, he's the most expensive player in the world, but he's failed everywhere. He gets there and he's in a really bad team, in a crazy city, he doesn't know where he's ended up. What's interesting is that all of the voices, all of the characters are all based in Buenos Aires and that came out of going out there and meeting people in Buenos Aires. His story is a a lot of repetition. He's the kind of guy who goes somewhere. There's a lot of hope. They build him up. He's going to be great. He's the best. It all goes really well. Something starts going a bit wrong. If there's no kind of disagreement, he'll create a disagreement and it'll end in tears, a bit of a disaster. He's dead. It's finished. He's over. He goes somewhere else, starts again. He's a great help. Everything's Mm -hmm. going to be great. He does something brilliant. It goes wrong. It fails. He's dead, goes somewhere new. Resurrection, death and resurrection. The biggest version of of that cycle was Napoli. Really, he's left home at, say, 15 because he was a professional footballer. He's never been home again. He's never really lived in Argentina Mm. since he left. I suppose the story of him looking for home, looking for proper family and looking for home. The biggest cycle, the place where he calls home in the film is Naples. The place where they love him the most is Naples. The place where he becomes the best footballer in the world by winning the World Cup and winning Mm. the Scoletto is Naples. The place where all of his problems start. Self-inflicted, lying, which then he covers up with his addictions and drugs and drink and everything and, you know, sex, all of this stuff, all really. I'm sure it was happening before, but it becomes an issue.
2: In
0: film brilliantly with this high energy it's a Todd Terry track yeah it's awesome and I'm, I'm in my seat and I'm dancing and I'm, I'm kind of like whoa, where are we going what we doing sort of thing but I want to come great choice
1: brilliant editor chris King who 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 is a genius editor and really amazing with music and you know we've made quite a few films together yeah. now so we that that opening is is fantastic but you know god we had some struggles to Did get you? that opening together because we had You know, at one point in the longer version of the film, that opening title sequence was 45 minutes of the film. It was like this huge arc, a huge act, the first Mm -hmm. act essentially of Diego's life before he got to Naples. Yeah. And the film's just too long. Like with all of the films I've made, we always have these long cuts and you're just like, it's great, but it's just not. In this case, it was really like we're struggling and so we did a massive change and then it was like well how are we going to throw the audience in we just get chucked into the madness and chaos of Diego Maradona's life and we whiz through time with this track The honest truth is right up to the final mix, we were undecided how to open the film. Wow. First time in my life, really, where we were in the mix at Twickenham Studios with the team, and we didn't have a lot of time to mix the whole film, I'm thinking there were six reels, say there's six or seven reels. It's still done yeah. in the old-fashioned way, but it's really, say, 20 minutes Yeah. A screen time. The first reel, the opening of the first reel, we probably had a week to do the whole thing and a whole day and a half or something. It must've gone on the opening reel where we had one cue, which is a very emotional cue. And we had a total true Now that we went with, and I had to watch both and then say, well, let's carry on and do the rest of the movie. And then I want to go back and view the beginning. Yeah. And in the end we went, our instincts was to go mm-hmm. with this one. Depending on your age, it's a great, cool, funky track, or it's a bit cheesy. You know, some of the younger kids on the crew didn't grow up with this kind of music and they just thought it was a bit cheesy. And I was like, well, you know, the older <laughs> lot were like, this is a great track, <laughs> yeah. you crazy kids, you know. But then you realise, that's Diego Maradona's yeah. life, dancing, going to clubs, listening to that kind of music. And it felt right. I'm glad everyone loves it. It goes down really well, It gets the film going. You know, it's like the action's car scene in French Connection or Italian job Chilled or something. The, yeah. But it was so interesting how hard it was to make wow. that call. And it's,
0: but it's such an important part. Like you say, you have to get the audience immediately
1: and because of the amount of time we whiz through
0: yeah.
1: where you're kind of dragging the audience along and then we slow down when we arrive in Naples so it's fun yeah. and, and I, I think we made the right call yeah, and I everyone do. says it, that we made the right call but you know, films are so complicated and tricky yeah. that along the way it doesn't seem obvious yeah. you know, at the ending, if you do the right thing and it works and everyone goes, of course it's that
0: gut reaction, there we go <laughs> And we read back my notes as I'm scribbling down whilst I'm watching the film sort of thing, and there's uh, there's a shift like you say, and it's really clever the way the music hits these marks throughout the film as well when when you go back to to Buenos Aires to to when he was a kid and stuff and it musically it completely shifts as well yeah, and it's it, I just wanted to talk through like it was interesting you saying about working with Antonio again and, and almost having to hold him back because the music can do a lot. And it doesn't really need to do that much because there is such drama going on in this character's world, really. And then when those other marks and those points as well throughout the film as well, where you where you hit that, there's a couple that there's a uh, with Claudia, you know, that love and that connection. Bit of disco, yeah. (laughs) But it's but it's disco, yeah. yeah. But again, it's a it's almost like the difference of not genres of music, but tones of music are hitting different emotions within him.
1: You know it was a good time it was a fun time <laughs> yeah. you know what's what's interesting you know the reality is when you're making the film here we are we're in 2019 probably met claudia in 2017 first 2017, mm-hmm. 18. the reality is now they don't like each other right they're really? divorced they, they're not getting along were
0: they that way in 2017 yeah
1: they're suing okay. each other oh there's like God. a lot of mess yeah right now I'm making a film about the 80s when they were like young and in love and it's all great. So just the reality of dealing with real people, real emotions and, and, and pain yeah. in people's lives and talking to them and interviewing them and getting access to their personal memories and archive and footage of their children together, talking to their daughters who are now grown up and have their own children and then trying to set the tone for the 80s. It's quite it's, it's a really complicated yeah. thing that we're, we're trying to do. Again, that cue played around with lots of different versions. And again, Chris King found something and we tried lots of alternatives and we're like, but that's the one. And I think that's probably another moment where we tried playing with two and we like, no, we've got to go with this. Yeah. Part of the process of working with these, this music when we're editing, we edit for so long, it's like three hours of post-production. It's three years of post-production. Yeah. Two years full on with Chris and myself locked in a room. So those cues are in the film for a while and there for a reason.
0: Because you don't use temp.
1: Yeah, we don't try to use that temp, and the only temp that we have will be something that Antonia's given us. Yeah. And this sometimes gets muddy, but we're like, Antonia, you can only give us stuff you have written for us. And then there'll be some cue that we love. And he's like, oh, you can't have that. That's from so-and-so. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. You didn't tell us that. You didn't. C- it's not called that on I the app. I told you. Yeah. Yeah. And he'll be like, oh, you guys have got temp love, temp love. I'm like, no, we have love for the cue that I thought was my cue. <laughs> yeah. It's my love. Yeah. So we we do have these moments of disagreement in yeah, terms yeah. of how... He gave us something, so I thought we could use it. And then he'll turn around and say, no, you can't use that, but I'll re-record it, don't worry. And he re-records it and so it's totally different, man. That still yeah. happens. We still have our moments but we've been together for quite a long time making this film <laughs> yeah. so we always somehow work it out yeah. but it did go to the wire on this one it literally did get down to the final mix but we were still making calls in or out in or out no that's got to go we put that one in and then we have our kind of guy Ian who clears the queues and there yeah. were certain tracks that we were licensing and we're like we really love this queue we're going to mix it in you've got to see if we can afford it
0: wow even that late it goes incredible. down to
1: the wire <laughs>
0: To like speaking to you know, kind of Claudia and stuff, and how do you get her on board then if she's at that place of kind of really not a great place with that relationship? It takes
1: you know, she's in Buenos Aires. The one thing about that I've learned during this film dealing with people in Argentina, dealing with people in Italy, in Naples, Latin people, yeah, you don't do stuff over the phone, they don't do it by fax, they don't do it by email, you're going to meet them, yeah, you're going to fly out there you to find a way to get them to have a coffee with you. You've got to chat to them, and then my job is to win them over and for them to trust me. But the biggest challenge is I don't speak Spanish, I don't mm-hmm. speak Italian, I don't speak Neapolitan. I definitely don't speak Argentinian Spanish. So I've got to somehow build up trust and relationship via translators who were who were brilliant. I was working with, but it's hard. Yeah. And I'm always like, if I've got time, it will happen. But I just can't go. I'll come back next week because they're in Buenos Aires. Mm-hmm. And often they won't meet me or they don't want to talk. They're not interested. And then you learn, or in, in the case of Argentina, you just turn on the TV. You'll see them all arguing on television on some 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 kind of really chat tabloidy chat show mm-hmm. that goes on for nine hours where everyone gets on and argues. So you think, this is really hard. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Really messy mm-hmm. domestic stuff. But then I did meet with Claudia. I made it really clear. I can't make this film about him, without you. They were together from the age of 14. They've had kids together. She was there in Argentina. She was there in Barcelona. She was there for all the way through Naples. She went through all the tough times when he was at his worst and darkest days of addiction. She was there. She took a lot of crap. Mm. And she brought up the kids and the kids are quite normal. You know, somehow they got through it. I have to talk to you. And his people at one point said, oh, you can't talk to her. I'm like, I have to talk to her. Right. She knows him better than anyone. And I made it very clear to her. I can't make this film without you. And that's what happened. In the end, she did talk. And like most people, once she started talking, you know, it was a five-hour interview in her kitchen in Buenos Aires. And it was great. And then we met again. We spoke again. And her daughters were very helpful. They, yeah. I interviewed um, their daughters, Dalma and Janina. And Are they're... they
0: still close with their dad? Sadly
1: not. Oh, she, okay. You know, it's all changing during the film. They were and then they weren't because it's so messy. Yeah. You know, he has not been a strong father He's got kids that he has said are not his kids, and the other kids. That... So he's lied to a lot of people, and the kids have grown up thinking they're the only ones, mm. only to learn there's all these other kids, and that one of them's older than they are. Oh man! Because that's the yeah. elder junior, the son, yeah. and then there are other children that he's had. So the problem is he's now recognised other kids, and he's getting along with them, and that's really upset Did his the, daughters. Oh, wow. And we're just like in the middle of this mayhem oh, and madness. Saying, I still want to talk to all of you. And yeah, I'm such a daydreamer and so naive but also I genuinely think there is a power in what we do that at the end of this process somehow I'm going to get you guys all together yeah you know I literally would let's go you are nuts aren't you we thought you were mad you really are." <laughs> I'm like you know what I have this dream that one day we're going to go to Cannes with this film and you'll be there and you'll have all your children there and because he said to me his dream final dream would be to have a picture with him with all of his kids now, in truth, he's the only guy that can make that happen, mm-hmm. but he doesn't make it happen. So I'm like, I'll do it. I couldn't even get him in the picture in can talking about his <laughs> kids. <laughs> so uh, I, as you can see, they were right. I was crazy. But I have done something, and a few of them are now in contact, who they Grey. were not in contact before. So once they start talking about it, they ask me, because I've actually met them all. Well, yeah, exactly. You're almost them, like haven't. the link between it all. And, you know, this is their life story. This is their father. This is... A, f- a lot of footage in a the film they've never seen mm. their children it's really heavy and emotional yeah. stuff for them painful but you've got to talk about it to get it out to move on to deal with it totally and so yeah a lot of the kids i've tried to kind of get them to connect up because i think it would be good for them yeah. they're all having kids themselves and you know it's what? the only way
0: they're going to get answers to things isn't they it? they also start lying to their own
1: children because they've been told a lie and it's just not healthy
0: yeah it was amazing for me. Like I'm a big football fan. I grew up, you know, watching football a lot and stuff, and being of a nation who've never had any success with it, with international football. That whole kind of international side of it, and I hadn't really appreciated that game. You know, Italy versus Argentina. That just changed everything. Yeah. Everything, and I couldn't, I, c- I, couldn't really comprehend. Like when I was kind of walking away, I, was, I don't know how I hadn't thought about like that before. How everybody turned on him.
1: Couldn't make it up. It's one of those moments where you. You know, I'd heard about it and then you'd start researching and look into it and you think that is a really amazing story and it's one of those classic things of you know in England I don't even remember that semi-final we just remember the other one yeah. you know England-Germany and this is what was going on and I didn't really understand that it was in Naples and you know an interesting thing is because of everything all of the fallout of that match Italy the Italian national team have never played in Naples again since
0: no that is
1: still going they feel that we cannot trust that place trust those people you know that
0: that's oh nerd, my god it? that's, that's crazy. crazy that's crazy how did you feel about the whole covering the England game knowing that you're a big football fan yeah
1: i'm a big football fan and obviously <laughs> i was at the time i was an england fan and i remember thinking my back of my head that <laughs> I don't think the second goal would have happened had it not been, been for the frustrated. fact that I'm still in shock. of It's only yeah. four minutes, three minutes afterwards. Yeah. You're still thinking, we've been robbed, haven't we? And then the guy runs and does this amazing thing. Yeah. But when I'm making his films, I'm like, I'm Neapolitan here, or I'm Argentinian <laughs> here. And I'm like, what would it be like to be Argentinian?
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: So the commentary is in Spanish and it's yeah. brilliant and funny and but it's also I'm a realist. I'm a football fan. I know that if my team do something and get a jammy penalty or fall over and. I'm not going to complain when it's my lot. Yeah, I will complain when the other team do it. And I think the referee is this, that or the other. But defenders at the time were trying to break his legs. And it was normal when we show the tackles and we show how brutal football was. And, you know, he had to get up and carry on. And mm. they would even get a booking. So if he has to do something sneaky to get a goal, he's going to try it. I also now have done so much research. I've seen him do five of those handballs. Yeah. Right. He three times he got away with it, twice he got caught. He, he's practiced. He's done it in Argentina, he's done it in Naples. He's brilliant at it. Yeah. And if you listen to the commentary, the commentator didn't see it. No one saw it. Mm. After a few action replays, they noticed it. He's so good at it that uh, he's done it in a way that nobody really knew. Um he tried it on he got away with it. I'm fine with that. Yeah. I don't hold these grudges.
0: Yeah, totally. I loved how you kind of learned about him as a player in terms of you know, he is this kind of slightly... This he's awkward, a street guy. Yeah, he's, he's a street he's, guy. And so he, he kind of developed he's his own in style. In every form, he
1: bends the rules. Everything. That's him. And,
0: but then you you really do see, like, and I love that you show that, how attacked he is on yeah. the pitch. And for me, that almost kind of like mirrored off the pitch yeah, in terms of what totally. he was having to deal with. It was like there Football, was no escape on and off.
1: I love that line. Football is a game of deceit. And I love that idea that, you know, it's about trickery. It's about you think I'm going to go that way, I go that. You think I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I'm going to curl it this way, no, I'm going to go (laughs) that. That's him. He's intelligent, he's sharp, he tricks you. But he's a trickster off the pitch and on the pitch. In his private life, you think I'm here, I'm actually over there. You think I'm going here, wife, I'm going over there. That's him. Life is a game of deceit. Mm. And most of the time he gets away with it, sometimes he gets caught. That's how he is. He's the angel and the devil. He's good and bad. He's all of these things rolled up. The England game is the perfect example. He's a genius. He's a cheat. That's all him. Yeah, there's a great line in
0: the film about that. Little bit genius, little bit cheat. That's him.
1: And, you know, Argentinians would say that game against England is why he is, for them, the greatest player of all time. Mm. Because he did these two things. One of the best goals ever and also one of the cheatiest goals ever. (laughs) And he got away. And it's because he's able to do both and do it to the country that they were at war with four years previously. They're like, Messi will never do that. Therefore, he cannot be rated the same way on the way to winning the World Cup, to do that to England. That game is more important to Argentinians than a semi-final or a final. Wow. They knew after that they were going to win it.
0: What's he like? Depends on
1: which version you meet.
0: (laughs) He can be really charming,
1: really, really charming. He's genuinely charismatic. He can be really sweet and funny. When he's in a good mood, he's got amazing eyes and a really nice smile. And when he tells you a story, he's a good storyteller. And you're like, he's great. And, you know, you can only imagine how much fun you could have if you were hanging out with him. In Naples, in the mid-80s, God, you would have had a good time. You would have had a good time. And he can dance, and he likes to sing. Mm -hmm. You know, he's he's not awkward. He's really comfortable. And, you know, women see the film, and they're like, God, he's a really good dancer. He's really fun. You can see, you know, he's charming. He's charming. But then if he's not in a good mood, he's not someone you want to be near. Mm. You know, and actually, I think, you know, he's kind of like a lot of these people. He has a famous entourage that don't let you near him. But I do think sometimes it's because it's for your own good and for his own good. Yeah. If he's not in a good place, They'll probably best your, he doesn't yeah. meet you today.
0: Did you talk to him and, and Claudia about music at all? Was that part of the conversation at all?
1: We talked about songs. Yeah. Because it's a very, it's a very Latin thing, a very Neapolitan thing, an Argentinian thing. Because one thing about Argentina is probably the place with the best football songs in the world. If you ever go to Boca game or if you go to uh, River play, I've been, and I haven't had a chance to get to. A bocca game they were never playing when I was there, but I've been to River and man, they can sing. The thing about Argentina is, no away fans because it's too dangerous. So they just have home fans. So you have the whole stadium full of oh, home right. fans and the whole stadium sings these songs. I'm a Liverpool fan, right? So there's a song. It's another there's a, good singing football team. There's a Bobby Firmino <laughs> song right now, Si Senor, which is a ripoff of the River Plate song. And I've heard it in the River Plate Stadium and it's amazing. <laughs> Dirty lyrics, nasty lyrics. You know, it's very hard You see some in
0: the film when they're all singing and he's singing about himself yeah. in the song.
1: Yeah, so that came up a lot and the idea of singing and songs. In terms of the score, probably when I was meeting them, I wasn't really talking to them about yeah. music then. But the idea of music is a big thing and, when, and a lot of the footage that I've seen of Diego, a lot of it is him at parties dancing yeah. and a lot of karaoke type stuff. You know, he will join in and sing, often sing songs about himself. That whole idea of him singing about his own life story while he's in the midst of it. Yeah. That's very Diego Maradona.
0: Yeah, amazing. Last time we spoke, before we finished, I was talking to you for Mindhunter, which I absolutely loved. Are you doing series two? Do you, have you done it? They've, they've
1: done it. I was making this, this film while okay. I was doing it. What's funny is that can halt who pays Tench, yeah. came to our premiere. Oh, awesome. He said, I'm in Cannes. Can I get a ticket? I'm like, yeah, sure. So he <laughs> came to the screening, came to the premiere, was at a party afterwards, and he was saying, man, you're going to come back. I'm like, I'd love to, please. He said, let me go and talk to David. So, yeah, I'd love to go back. And if they do season three, yeah. then I'd love to go back Amazing. and do some more. What uh, is next? Time. Do you know what? I don't know. Edith. I'm, I'm thinking I really want to do a fiction film. I want to do another cool. movie. I want to go off and sit down and write yeah. and do something completely different. Mm. Um, I'd love to go off and do Mindhunter. Right now, if you ask me, I don't think I'll do another biog yeah. for a while. I think if I do another doc, I feel like it might have to be something political. I think it nice. might have to deal with the state of the world we're in. That's great. That's something interesting. Something about the mess we're in or where we're heading. Yeah. And how we've got here and... Where we go. Yeah. So I, I, I'm, my instinct is to do something about that. But where, in my mind, is like this genre of almost like an action movie. Mm. Amy's a musical. Maradona, Diego Maradona is like a gangster film. It's like Mean Streets. <laughs>
2: it's totally good, fellas. It's right? is,
1: is that, that <laughs> yeah. kind of vibe of uh, street guys, Mean Streets. Um, <laughs> yeah, who's that is. knocking on my door type thing. So if I do a film about the world and the state of the world, I'm thinking of doing it almost as a sci-fi. Oh, wow. That's the, there's this project I've been writing and thinking about, and it's like dealing with what's going on now, but somehow re- applying it to what's already happened. And, you know, this cycle's come back. Yeah it's not a new thing there's all of these traits and yeah we've Mm. been played before and we know how that turned out and i think that's where we're going if we don't watch it
0: i'm excited for you to do that i really am but i'm i'm so i so enjoyed this film it's great to chat to you again thank you so much for your time thank Thank you you. great talking the score to Diego Maradona that's loved and hated by Antonio Pinto rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with Asif Capadia. My huge thanks to Asif for taking the time to talk to us a second time round. Diego Maradona is on general release around the world now. Head to edithbowman.com iTunes or your preferred podcast provider to catch up with all of our previous episodes, including Asif's first appearance on the show in which he talked at length about the music of Senna, Amy and indeed Mindhunter. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter we're at Soundtracking UK and please subscribe and rate us if you get a moment. Next up, cannot wait to share this episode with you, the one and only Mr. Cliff Martinez. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company there.